good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for this Sunday, October 16th, 2022. I uh, will have a shorty today, and we're back to regular format next week. I do have an interview scheduled for late Friday with my friend David Mamano, who is an entrepreneur coach. So if you like the interviews that I do that are centered around business ownership, that'll be a good one because he's the kind of guy who talks a lot to the skill set required to be an entrepreneur. And one of the things I've been talking about more and more recently is entrepreneurs inside of organizations, meaning that you can be entrepreneurial even if you don't own a business. And I think it happens all the time. The example I used is my old career in radio. I think that people who do radio shows that have their names on them, frankly, and uh, work really hard to create those shows and turn them into brands are entrepreneurs within organizations. So you don't necessarily have to have an LLC to call yourself an entrepreneur, in my opinion, or at least to have that same skill set. But anyway, so today, as I said, will be a little shorter. A few things to talk about. First of all, if I sound a little tired, it's because I am. I was up until... About midnight last night watching the Guardians walk off the Yankees. That was fun. The Guardians last night, bottom of the ninth, Oscar Gonzalez, who if you're wondering about all of the different SpongeBob references, Oscar Gonzalez, uh, they all have a different walk-up song they call it, the song that gets played as they go up to the plate. Oscar Gonzalez walks up to the SpongeBob SquarePants theme. So... Anyway, uh, beating the there is no sweeter thing than beating the Yankees. Now, the Guardians are up 2-1 to the Yankees. And if there's one thing I know about my Cleveland sports teams, it's that they can absolutely blow this thing. So no getting ahead of ourselves whatsoever. Big game tonight in Cleveland. Garrett Cole pitching for the Yankees. Best pitcher in baseball, quite frankly. So, uh, you know, still a long ways to go here for Cleveland. But still getting a win over the Yankees is always sweet. And you got to enjoy it at least for a few minutes. Especially because with the Yankees, excuse me, because I know I probably have a lot of Yankee listeners, Yankee fan listeners. But with the Yankees, it's like, well, let's put it this way. In every sport, you root for your team, right? And when your team doesn't win, sometimes we like to whine. Oh, the refs sucked. Oh, the, the other team this, the other team that. We always have excuses. In baseball, the Yankees are almost literally cheating. And, and I mean it like they it, – it's the only sport where you say it's not fair. But it's actually not fair. The Yankees actually have an unfair advantage with their payroll. And, I mean, I know there's a handful of baseball teams that do that – and that there's no salary cap, which means it, it technically is fair because there's no salary cap. But you're at the mercy of your ownership with, with no salary cap. And so unless all owners are created equal, you just you do create an unfair environment. So it, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to me because I, I certainly have whined over my Browns, Indians, now Guardians, and Cavs over the years and had plenty of times when all three of those franchises have lost in which I have cried and said that it was unfair. But when you lose to the Yankees, it's actually unfair. Anyway, I just I always find that interesting. It's, uh, they actually have an unfair... It's like, yeah, I could... Because it's funny because my wife's not a sports fan, so I tell her that. And I say, it's just not fair. And she goes, oh, you're being a baby. And I go, no, no, literally in baseball... It's literally not fair. <laughs> anyway, all right. Enough with that point. Um, 
I, I, I have a lot of sort of not interesting stuff to talk about today, which is a great way to sell this podcast. But I do want to talk about one newsy thing before we move on to some not newsy things. Like I went to Philadelphia this week. I want to give you my cheesesteak cheese review. Uh, cooked a charity dinner last night for a great group of people. I emceed the Sons and Daughters of Italy this week, which was fun. And also, it turns out human hibernation is a thing, just to kind of tease what's on the docket for you. But let's start off with the Rochester Police Accountability Board. If we're going to get serious for two, three quick minutes on this podcast, it's going to have to do with this. This is a failure. The idea is fantastic. I do believe that. The liberal in me wants to see no power ever go unchecked. And I do believe, excuse me, I do believe that the public cannot be said to have enough power over the police uh, simply by saying that we have the power to elect the mayor who has the power to appoint the police chief. Because, just to back up even further from that, I am a believer that unchecked power is a detriment to any organization, be it a business, be it a police force, a city, government, whatever it is, unchecked power is always going to be, I think, a bad thing. And um, unless the people have a vote in what's going on, you have unchecked power within the police department. And I do think that that can be a negative thing. Now, I'll say the same thing everyone else says. Of course, there are mostly wonderful police out there. And like any other profession or organization, you're going to get some bad apples. And, uh, of course, I think there are some bad apples. I think it's just law of averages. We, as a country, employ so many law enforcement officers that you're just going to flat out have some bad apples. It's just the way it works. Um, They also have an extremely hard job in that they have to make calls. They have to make decisions, you know, in in the uh, in in the split second of time that those things happen. It's it's kind of like, you know, um, referees and umpires who we sit at home and watch games and we have the benefit of seeing the replay 10 times. And if the umpire got it wrong, we call him a bum. Right. Well, it's just a game. In police work, it's real life, and it could cost them their lives if they make an incorrect decision. So police oftentimes are stuck making decisions in the moment that we then get to go back and look at on tape and, and see it over and over and say, oh, my God, that was, that was the wrong decision this police officer made. Well, in some cases, we have to use common sense judgment and say, look, in that moment, he had about one second to make up his mind. And he made X, Y, Z decision. And, and you have to account for the fact that he didn't have the benefit that you and I had of watching the dash cam video 17 times and then saying what we think should happen. So you have to keep in mind the human element. Now, that said, I think we've all seen some video of police doing really, really bad things, it, things that were just terrible judgment right from the beginning. So, again, no excuses there. Should there be unchecked power in the police department? Absolutely not. I don't think it should exist anywhere. And I think that the police department has a chief who's appointed by the mayor, who the city gets to vote on who is the mayor. And that's the way that they would make the argument that they don't have unchecked power is that their chief of police gets appointed by an elected official. Here's the thing. That's not a direct enough way of of holding the police accountable by electing a mayor who may or may not appoint the chief of police that you want so 
And I understand there's internal affairs in the police department. But again, it, that's kind of like saying you have HR to go to in a company. Everybody knows HR works for the company. Same thing with internal affairs in the police department. Everybody knows internal affairs works for the police department. So while they're doing their job and probably doing a good job most of the time, you have to remember at the end of the day, they're going to always protect whoever pays them. And that goes for HR in big businesses, internal affairs in police departments. It's just the way it is. So somebody who's unaffiliated with the police should be holding the police accountable. I actually believe that. I really, truly do. However, the way we've handled that in Rochester has been absolutely embarrassing. This police accountability board has done nothing. Well, I I could just end the sentence there, right? They've done nothing. I was going to say they've done nothing to show me that they can blah, 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 blah. No, they've done nothing, period. They've just done nothing. It's just ridiculous. I mean, again, big organization, probably plenty of people within the organization who are noble and showing up to work every day and trying hard to do their jobs, I'm sure. But how do you not get an adult in the room? And really, I think that's what it's been from the beginning. They just don't have an adult in the room is what it feels like. My God, they don't have leadership. And, you know, what happens is the conservatives, and sometimes I feel as though I can completely relate to this line of thinking. Sorry, my phone locked up on me for a second there. Hope I'm still recording. Yes, I am. Okay. And I can relate to this line of thinking that the conservatives have. where They they look at this organization and they say, well, this must be a liberal organization. The people who apply to this organization are going to tend to be liberal and tend to... um, Wait, how do I word this? Tend to, let's say, boy, this is going to be tough for me to figure out how to say this. They are going to tend to think that accountability is a good idea, which doesn't make them wrong, because I think it is as well. Um, But that might come with it a certain arrogance in feeling more so as though you'd like to point a finger outward instead of inward. And the arrogance that comes with pointing your finger outward instead of inward and being almost unwilling to point it inward is what leads to what we get today. It's a new organization. The Police Accountability Board is brand new. And whoever leads it is going to be leading something that they don't have any experience leading. That's something we all have to face as a hard fact. Somebody is going to be leading something that they've never led before because it's so new. So whoever does lead is going to need to lead with humility, is going to need to lead with open ears, two ears, one mouth, right? Listen more than you talk. That's going to be the key to whoever leads the police accountability board and does it well is somebody who understands that they don't know what they're doing. Neither does anyone else around them. It's a brand new thing and a brand new organization. And until somebody can go into that role and listen more than they talk and learn and just put in the work and do five or ten or however many years of learning and listening and learning and listening and working through every scenario. The other thing is, in order to get good, you have to work through every scenario. You have to see it at its best, you have to see it at its worst, and you have to be able to work through both of those scenarios and everything in between before you can even begin to say that you have that job mastered. And so, I go back to, I think they have hired, 
a couple of executive directors now who come into the job thinking that they need to know what they're doing. And that is not how you lead. It is just flat out not how you lead. You do not lead by coming in and ruling with an iron fist, especially when you don't know what you're doing either. So until we can get that together, this thing's just going to continue to be a complete cluster. Because right now, it's an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment, and it is quickly going the way of the fast ferry. It is honestly one decision away from being the next fast ferry. And that is just for city council to just uh, fold the police accountability board, which at this point, I have to believe at least is being discussed behind closed doors. They have to at least behind closed doors be saying, look, maybe we just maybe we just scratch this thing and try to come up with a better idea. They have to be. They absolutely have to be thinking that way or at least thinking of it as a possibility. It's got to be on the list of possibilities. It has to. And if you don't know the fast ferry reference, Rochester at one point invested in this ferry that was going to go from um, Rochester to Canada. Uh, I think it was every day, right? It was going to go every single day, so you would have a daily opportunity to take a boat basically right across the lake to Canada. And it was just a big, utter failure. But it sounded great on paper. Same thing with the police accountability board so far. Sounds great on paper. Big, utter failure so far. Meanwhile, I mean, here's the thing about them is like their number one thing was to basically hold the police department accountable. And they're not even allowed to do that. They lost in court. They're not allowed to punish police officers. All they're allowed to do is write a report and make a recommendation. So what are we doing? They're not allowed to do the thing that they're supposed to do. And they keep imploding. Listen. Democrat who voted for it here, liberal here, fold the police accountability board. Start over. Start over. Great idea. Not the right circumstances. Timing, personnel, etc. Just not the right circumstances. Start over. Don't give up. Get a new idea out there and get that in front of the voters. Do you think I tiptoed through that political thing well enough that I kind of have both sides pointing at something I just said, saying, yeah, look, he agrees with us? Because <laughs> I'm always so afraid of anything that toes the line of politics. Because no matter what you do, you just piss off half the people. You got half the people always telling you don't know what you're talking about. All right, let's get to some fun stuff. You know what I did this week? I went to Philadelphia. I had a quick little turnaround where I had to go and visit the owner of a chain of... This guy owns 20 grocery stores just outside of Philadelphia called Boyer's. B-O-Y-E-R, apostrophe S. We recently started doing some pasta sauces with him, but it was kind of a short-term deal where we were going to do, what, 4,000 cases, I think, for him of this pasta sauce. And then, you know, it it was like, well, we'll see what happens after that. Um, long story short, it basically we were introduced to him by a third party. This third party had a vested interest, and so it, the third party was the short-term part. They were like, listen, we're only going to be around for about 2,000 cases. We need to do this thing. As soon as we do this thing, now it's between you and the store owner. And I'd like to keep that business. And also, it's a nice little supermarket chain that doesn't have a lot of private label going on. So I went down to Philly, talked to him about continuing to do his pasta sauces, talked to him about maybe doing some barbecue sauces, some salad dressings. He says he'll look at samples. Uh, sounded very interested in everything. It, really great trip. Great trip. Came back to my hotel room. I, I, you know, I flew in in the morning, immediately went out, met with this guy. That took a couple of hours. 
went back to my hotel room and had some work to do, answered some emails and whatnot, and then had to get on the phone with my Grow New York mentor. Spent two hours and 33 minutes on the phone with him going over stuff for the Grow New York competition, which is now firmly one month away, November 16th. My God, I'm getting nervous. <coughs> um, and then by the time I was done for the night, it was six, almost 7 o'clock. And I said, boy, it's 7 o'clock. I'm in Philadelphia, a city I've never been in. I'm tired. I got to fly out first thing in the morning. What do I do? You know, I got an hour. Maybe I've got an hour. What do I do? So I called an Uber, and I said, there's two things I want to do if I'm in Philadelphia. Number one is obvious. I got to get a Philly cheesesteak. Number two, I got to see the ECW arena. This is the one that trips people out. So basically, when I was a kid, there was this wrestling organization called ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling. And it was insane. It was like this lo-fi, gritty kind of wrestling that was done... um, it was extreme, which it always was just a little extra violent, right? They used adult language. It was like rated R. And it was just absolutely fantastic. But it wasn't on until 2 a.m. on Friday nights, technically Saturday mornings. And so on Friday nights, I'd have to stay up until 2 a.m. if I wanted to watch ECW, ECW excuse me, on TV. Uh, that Then ECW grew, and they started to do pay-per-views, and they eventually kind of merged with WWE, did an invasion angle, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, long story short, it was a big piece of my childhood in the late 90s watching this wrestling called ECW that emanated each and every week from the ECW Arena, a bingo hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And it's just so damn cool because it really is a little bingo hall. Now, today they've turned it into more of an event space, but back in the day, it was truly a bingo hall. It was where they played bingo, and they would, like, one Saturday out of every three weeks, they would allow ECW to come in and, and you know, run a, run a wrestling show. And so I get in the car, and I tell the Uber driver, we're going to this arena, and it's going to be weird, but I want to get out and take a picture in front of this arena, and he's like, okay, that, you know, sounds good. And he starts driving to, like, Wells Fargo Arena. And I'm like, no, 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 no. This is this is far weirder than that. We're going to a little warehouse underneath a bridge just outside of the city. And he's like, my Uber driver's like, are you here to kill me? <laughs> I told him, I go, this is going to be one of the weirder things people do. I honestly want to see this building, take a picture in front of it, and then we're going to go get a Philly cheesesteak. He said, okay. Now, of the Philly cheesesteak, I enlisted a lot of advice. First thing I did when I got to Philly, (laughs) everyone I met through the grocery store thing that I had to do, airport, hotel, everyone I talked to, I said, I'm a tourist. I want a Philly cheesesteak. Where do I go tonight? I asked five people that question. I actually asked more than five, but I would say five people who kind of gave me a good opinion. The other ones were kind of like... Huh? Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really eat that. Or, or, oh, I haven't had one in years. Or, or, uh, oh, uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, this place, uh, I kind of like the one that's in my neighborhood, you know. But I don't know if that's the best one. But I had five people who said to me, they go, okay, I have an opinion on this. I'm going to tell you exactly where to go. Person number one through four all said, Dalessandro's. Person number five 
said something like John's roast pork or Jim's roast pork, which, by the way, Emily, who works at Insuro, one of my accounting people who listens to this podcast, love you, Emily. Good to talk to you. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Listen to this podcast. Thank you for the advice. She also said something about the, is it John's or Jim's? John, one of those, something roast pork. John's roast pork or Jim's roast pork. So two votes for that, four votes for D'Alessandro's. So I went to the D'Alessandro's. By the way, do not put it past me <laughs> that if I had the time and the patience, I would have driven around and gotten like a, a small sub from like five different places. I swear to you I would have done that. Just didn't really have the time. Uh, or the rental car. That would get expensive in an Uber. <laughs> so I ended up going to D'Alessandro's and had a phenomenal Philly cheesesteak. I uh, told them I was a tourist, and I said, give it to me however I'm supposed to get it. So they did peppers, onions, mushrooms, and white American cheese, apparently. That's what they suggest. Um, Beyond that, I asked everybody I talked to, what about Geno's and Pat's? That's what everyone says, Geno's and Pat's. Those are the places, and every single person I talked to said, no, tourist only. That's the tourist joint. It kind of it kind of reminded me of the way we might talk about like Nick Tahoe's here in Rochester, where somebody might come and say, "Tell me about a garbage plate. I want to get a garbage plate," and we might say, "Oh well, you got to try Dogtown or this Hots Joint or that Hots Joint," and then they'll look at you and they'll say, "Well, what about Nick Tahoe's? I read Nick Tahoe's," and you look at them and you go, "Yeah, that's the original, but I don't know. It's kind of at this point maybe not the best plate in town." Anyway, I would liken it to that. Seems like that great Philly cheesesteak though. Fantastic. By the way, Philly Airport, also big fan of the Philly Airport. Maybe I just got lucky, but for whatever reason, I scooted through security like it was nothing at Philly. I had a harder time getting through Rochester security than I did Philly. Excuse me. And then what else this week? I uh, had the honor last night of doing one of my charity dinners. I don't talk about them a lot because I don't think I'm doing them for recognition, but I like to talk about them when the... um, when, when it was just a really fun experience. And last night, I got to be with an old brother Wee's friend, Dr. Coniglio, and his family. It was, uh, it was Dr. Coniglio, his children, their spouses, his brand-new granddaughter, which was really sweet to see, uh, his wife. It was just uh, really, really cool. Uh, at the home of Andrew and his wife, uh, I think it was Amanda. Oh, I hope I'm getting her name right. Uh, Coniglio and Victor. Beautiful home, beautiful people, hopefully beautiful meal. I always try to nibble as I go, as I cook for people, so that I can get a, a, a at least have a, a good idea of whether or not I've cooked them a decent meal. And I finally, I think I've gotten good at making apple crisp, too. That's the other thing. I've been making homemade apple crisp now, like every weekend for the last few weekends. And it's, it's I think I'm getting good at it. My secret, okay, it's brown sugar, cinnamon, vanilla, and that's what I do to, like, you know, that's what I coat my apple pieces in. And then my topping is brown sugar, flour, oats, and um, a little more vanilla, some lemon. Uh, and then, of course, you know, what, what makes all the difference is what ice cream are you going to serve it with? So I did it with a salted caramel Pittsburgh dairy ice cream. Ha <laughs> ha. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, I do at least one or two of those a month. And I don't talk about them that much. Uh, this one was for Serenity House. Raised some good money for that charity. And uh, I'm always I'm always pretty proud of that. The night prior to that, Friday night, I had the opportunity to emcee the Sons and Daughters of Italy at the Webster Golf Club annual Columbus Day dinner. <coughs> and um, 
I love that organization. I really think I am going to join that organization. It's the second thing I've emceed for them now, and I'm really enjoying being asked to be a part of those to MC, and they try to recruit me every time to join, of course, and there's certainly no way I can... I have the time to take on any type of a participatory role other than just maybe showing up to a dinner or a lunch once a month. But I just think those are the greatest people ever and a great organization. And um, I know all cultures have very romantic, sweet, great things about them. But the Italian culture is just so loving and accepting and 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 um, and loud, quite frankly. But we eat well, you know, we eat well. (laughs) So. All right. Oh, what did I promise you? I promised you a kicker. Human hibernation. Do you see this on Twitter? I saw this on Twitter today, and I said, I got to talk about this. Human hibernation is possible. (laughs) Apparently, scientists think that we actually contain the biological hardware to slow our metabolism and use it to fight disease, boost longevity, and travel further into space. It is believed that humans can achieve a state of hibernation that could actually prolong our lives. Now, why would you ever want to do that in regular life? I don't know. Because I don't think it stops you from aging. But to, to, to possibly survive for a couple of years on a spaceship to try and get to uh, you know the planet where, the, where we're going to have to go live now because we've ruined this one, that could uh, be the answer. Could be human hibernation, which apparently they say is actually possible. Not This is not the thing where you spend the entire weekend just cuddled under blankets doing nothing. No. Human hibernation, they're saying, could be like something where for months <laughs> you're able to do... Jesus, I can't stop coughing all of a sudden. I think we have dust issues in our basement. So when I come down here, I just cough. Anyway, human hibernation. Look it up. Swear to God. All right. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.